0: From the world of AV programming and control with James King. I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, we're back, and we have uh, since our last episode was so um, interesting and uh, popular. We're going to continue the conversation uh, today. So, um, how are you? And we'll then introduce our guest.
1: I'm doing good, and. Again, this topic, I actually think this topic is almost one of the reasons why we kind of started as the programmer, one of the founding. So this should be a good one for our listeners.
0: Absolutely. Um, So if you didn't catch our last episode, episode 62, uh, we were um, able to speak with Patrick Murray. He uh, talked to us about how software solutions can uh, replace hardware solutions. So Patrick came back for another time. We haven't scared him off. So welcome back, Patrick. How are you?
2: Thanks for having me, Steve. It's going to take more than that to to scare me off. I love talking about this stuff.
0: And if you didn't get to listen to the last episode, please do. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna keep um, talking about uh, the the uh, rise of software solutions. Now we're gonna. Steer the conversation a little bit more toward what impact does this have on programmers? So, um, as Patrick said in the last episode, he has a website called LearnAVProgramming.com, which is um, helps programmers learn some more mainstream programming offerings. And, and as James said, when you know very early on from this conversation, um, you know we try in this podcast we look to build community for programmers, but also be a resource to help programmers get a voice. Um, and, and learn and grow. So uh, w- w- let's uh, kind of dive into that a little bit as to um, when a programmer is in a situation now where they've invested a lot of time and effort into learning AV programming, which is in itself its own animal. It's not something that you learn at school, it's not something that you um, necessarily have too many resources to learn but it, it has a lot of value if, if you become an expert. It may be daunting now to take a, another shift to change course there. Um, James, I'll, I'll let you um, give me uh, some insight on that. If you were to, you know when you're looking at that, what, what uh, would you recommend to somebody to uh, have to, L- look at learning so, some either new languages or, or a new approach to programming.
1: Well, if you guys have been following me, you know, I'm all about learning. If you're not out there advancing, learning, uh, honing your craft, then you're stagnant. Um, there's a saying in a book I was reading that uh, if mountains were smooth, we wouldn't be able to climb them. So you're going to have rough, you got to struggle, you have to push the envelopes. you got to learn new things. Otherwise you're not growing, you're not advancing, and you're not really becoming a true SME because what's going to happen, yeah, you might be an SME in product A and then that dies off, are you even good? I mean, look at the COBOL programmers, Cobalt died. They're not doing anything now except for these legacy systems that only those people know how to program. But they're few and far behind now.
0: I think that's a really great point. Actually, if you think about it, you know, you you're learning a craft that is very, very, very niche and and could be very valuable. But how does that transfer over to other things? Um, and and like and as you mentioned, part of that is the fact that. The the when, when you're in a situation and you're dependent on others, you're you don't have control over your own destiny. So, um, Patrick, uh, uh, you know, as we discussed in the last episode, um, you had mentioned about the fact that you started off doing independent programming and and programming, uh, you know, as part of a team, and and um, and you saw this opportunity to to shift gears. So, so so what does that look like? Because you you did it very. From an outsider's view, very elegantly, and it was something that that you seemed uh, to 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 uh, ha- have um, a a nice transition. But I'm not sure that everybody else can do it that
2: way. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the internet only shows you the highlight reel. It, it, it was it was far from elegant. It, and but that's that's part of uh, learning is making mistakes. Uh, so all those when you compile something or run something you get all these errors in there and red don't take them personally just go through them one by one and, and fix them and through that process that's how you learn um, so if there's one thing i could recommend to anybody even if they have no intention of changing and it's just to learn do something small you know do the hello world project of a new language once a month it will expand the way you do your other programming Right. If you if you do a hello world in JavaScript or Ruby or whatever it is, you might look at your other programming in a different way. So there's value even in it, even if you don't use it in in your job. Um, so so that's the first is just take it step by step and and view it as a way to just become a better, well-rounded programmer. Now the other part of it is what's the risk of staying with a proprietary system, and there is risk there, we should never fool ourselves. And I've been saying this for 10 years and I've been wrong for the past 10 years, right? (laughs) All these companies are still there doing their thing and they may be here in 10 or 20 or whatever more years. But right now this um, supply chain crunch is showing its value being skilled in deploying a website or deploying an app or being able to deploy a control application on a virtual machine or whatever computer is available. And the only reason I could do that now when it's needed is because I prepared for it. So the, 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 that's the analysis that you need to make for yourself um, and then decide how, how deep you want to dive into it.
0: So so with that, it, and, and I know that this is something that you take a lot of pride in, um, is there a recipe to get started? Is it something that? Somebody picks a language or do they look at a need or do they, or, or is there some general uh, foundation that they need to build to be able to say, I want to get into modern programming. I know that I don't want to find myself in trapped in a proprietary world.
2: Sure. I, I think, I mean, from my perspective, the most basic thing to do would make, be to make an HTML5 project with one button on it and have it execute some JavaScript code on your laptop Um, and, and maybe open a TCP connection to something on your local network and just see it with your own eyes, like follow that chain. I press the button, it makes that request to the JavaScript code, however that happens, right? And then you have this mental model of how that communication path works. And then from the JavaScript code, that TCP socket, oh wow, I could open these myself without some proprietary software, you mean anybody can open up sockets on a network? Yes, you can. And once you do it, and there's plenty of tutorials out there, it's, it's ridiculous. This stuff is wide open and freely available. And you will make mistakes. Some things will go wrong and you'll scratch your head. And you will figure it out too. And just like you know, when we learn these proprietary languages to begin with, it was, it's also very confusing. It's really complicated. Um, I remember going to a training for one manufacturer, I won't mention any names, but I was sitting at lunch with uh, another programmer there and, and he knew that I did all these other programming languages. And I said, this is a little, it's hard to get an overview of what's going on. And he started laughing because he said, you're a programmer for that and you think this stuff is complicated. And it's just that just goes back to this, I have my mental model, I have my habits, I know what I know. And you're almost too close to to remember that everything has a learning curve and and complexity is baked into everything that we do.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense because I tell people all the time, if you ask like, what's better, you know, one or the other, it's the one that you're most comfortable with and the one that you've probably done the most. Um, And and everybody always looks at the other one and say that one's more difficult. Um, Sure. James, uh, you know, as somebody in in uh, in, in your position, and you, you've talked a lot about um, how you have side projects, and that's how you learn. Um, what would you recommend to somebody that is either working on your team or or somebody who wants to, to break into the industry and say, "I I see this programming thing as something that excites me." Um, how, how do I go about? getting involved because I, you know, that person has a clean slate.
1: I agree. Um, Not to be a dead horse, but again, have a project in mind, kind of like Patrick was saying, do a little project on your laptop, try to control something, find something that you are interested in because that interest will keep you trying to figure out the solution for it. Um, like I said one of the side projects I did um, I was teaching myself with Python was I was doing a aquarium controller that was controlling lights it was co- controlling power outlets which were all new to me at that time and yes I made mistakes I went and fixed those mistakes uh, like Patrick said you figure it out you learn from your mistakes um, so if you don't have a project or a goal in mind you're throwing, getting at the wall and seeing what's stick and you may be lost. You might get confused and get too much in the weeds and get frustrated and leave because you don't have that goal or that, uh, end goal in sight. So I, I think having a project in mind, again, not to be a dead horse. I'll keep saying it, have a project in mind.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I- and, and that, you know, I, I totally get that. And, you know, and I think that there's a lot of tinkering that people do these days and there's a lot of communities that you can get involved with and learn. And um, I mean, even down to, to kids in school, they're, they're working with, with um, raspberry Pi and they're doing robotics clubs and so on and so forth. So there, there are different ways to learn. Um, what I hear from my team is, is that when, when you know, once you, you get, Uh, Knowledge of how to approach um, a a object-oriented programming, and and it's a matter of learning different syntax when when going from one language to another, for the most part. But um, but but obviously, you want to pick the right language for what you're you're trying to accomplish, or the uh, the the best one for the task at hand. Um, With that said, you know, um, Patrick, I I know that you um, have. Provided some training for people, which we mentioned last time at learnavprogramming.com. Um, is there a uh, is is there a recipe for for that? You know um, that that you would say to somebody, um, you know, take this course, this course, um, learn this. You know, kind of get this background on your own. You know, how 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 would they prepare to to get involved in you know in in learning either either from your site or some other place?
2: Hmm. Um, it, it depends on the starting point, of course. Are, are you brand new to programming and writing, writing code? Um, do you understand the signal flow in an AV control system? Um, those are kind of the baseline questions you need to ask yourself. Um, if if, if you are like don't want to start writing code, I think Node-RED is a really interesting way I mean, it's amazing how fast you can make things happen. Um, that being said, it's kind of a drag and drop block editor, but they have like a TCP block, they have a user interface block, so you could get buttons on an HTML page, connections to AV devices, and be passing stuff along. and And you could re- you could learn it in a day, in, in a couple hours. For, I mean, a seasoned AV programmer would in like an hour or two, they'd have a system up and running. The problem is is uh, any kind of complexity gets totally out of hand because it's this visual block with lines being drawn. It doesn't scale at all. Um, it, it, you can make it work. You can make a hundred rooms work with it, but if you have to fix something, uh, it's not going to be any fun at all. Um, don't ask me how I know that.
0: Uh. <laughs> and I think we've seen other situations that like, like that at AV as well. Of
2: course, right? Um, Scaling and and, uh, keeping track, keeping things organized as the complexity grows, uh, can easily become an afterthought. Um, And, you know, you need to get bitten first to, to, to be able to keep that in mind as you move forward. But if you're ready to jump into code and you don't know where to start, I just say learn learn some JavaScript because the intention of JavaScript was to be easy. It was for people to share code, copy and paste, be able to kind of read it and understand what's going on. And it's become so powerful. Um, You can make reusable code with it. You can make classes. It can be object-oriented. Things like Node.js make it almost real-time, as good as real-time. Um, so I would look into JavaScript as a starting point for sure.
0: So that would, that, which is great. So that, that'll, that will really help our listeners out there looking to, to start. And you know, I, I think the common theme of what we've talked about sounds a lot like web technologies. So, so that's another area that I, I would assume would be worth looking into and getting comfortable with. But as you mentioned too, you have to, know that foundation of how how do you talk to a device and what and what is required to put an AV system together. Um, so
2: those are really interesting points, if I may interrupt, because web technologies are as far as they are because the biggest companies in the world are constantly investing in making them better and better and better. But the flip side of that is that A V has kind of been ignoring it. So if you if you marry those two things, I mean it's all of this stuff just waiting for us to take advantage of. So I, I see a lot of opportunity there, and I think many people would be surprised about at, at how how robust it is. Web technologies in general. I,
1: to uh, jump in on what Patrick was saying, I, I think that's a good point, and because you have these big tech giants who are throwing a lot of money into the web developing and all that stuff. I'm thinking we're going to start seeing those in AV. Um, I don't think, Steve, you were at NAB this year, but I I walked at NAB and you had Amazon AWS there, Microsoft was there. Uh, I think there was another big tech company at a NAB. Also with Hugh Packer purchasing Poly, that's another tech giant getting into UC and AB. I, I agree Patrick. I think once the tech giants are dumping their money in, we're going to see a huge change in AB.
0: So uh, this is a great way for us to kind of put, wrap this one up. Um, if we take our crystal ball out, And this has been a threat for a long time saying that somebody's going to come in and disrupt our industry, not who is it going to be, but, but what, what is that going to look like? Is it, do you have any sense for that, James?
1: I really tell you the truth. I don't don't know. Cause if you were going to tell me Huey Packer would have been one of the first ones, I would be like, you're out of your mind. And they're one of the first ones I feel. So I, I'm really at a loss. I think Microsoft is going to come at it, but I feel they're going to come at it differently. And they're going to, instead of going on the bandwagon as is now, they're going to jump ahead five, 10 years and try to say, hey, catch up to us. That's what my feeling is with Microsoft. Um, I'd be shocked if Apple doesn't start putting something out. Um, but again, we know Apple is very close and very uh, lip sealed. So we don't hear much from them, I feel.
0: Patrick, I'll, I'll let you um, wrap this one up. Um, you know, it's a similar question to this. Uh, you know, not necessarily um, what, who, who, or what is it going to be, but it's isn't it interesting that many of the people that that James just mentioned or or have been in the AV world for a long time using what we're doing, you would think that they would be looking at it from a different angle and saying. Maybe we could do this differently. And any any thoughts um, there?
2: Well, it's it's been happening. It's already happened. We talk about disruption all the time. AV has been disrupted many times over. Um, but just uh, you know, moving from RGBHV to to Cat Five, and now we've got we have video over IP. I mean, we're doing it. And like ten years ago, it was like nah, and now we're doing it. You have to know how to configure the switch to make that stuff work. It, that's a disruption in my book.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, if you're talking about how we do business and what manufacturers and the, and the dealers and things like that, who knows how that'll develop because the, the, those kind of companies adapt. That That's, we have to. Um, but I think this idea that there'll be an AV system for all AV systems will never happen. I know it for a fact because the, like the, the custom projects that I do, um, there's no way you could productize that, you know, maybe, maybe I could productize it for one uh, department of a county in the state somewhere for, you know, we could, but that's a project that I'm just making standards for. There's never going to be this company that comes out like, here's your AV system, just plug it in. So there's always going to be room for customization. But on the flip side of that, you can roll out a couple hundred rooms with an out of the box system. like you know, and things like Zoom rooms where you don't need a touch panel, it's already done. Uh, But if you want to control the lights, then you might have a problem. So, you know, those are the those are like the two sides of the coin that there will be use cases where it's all ready to go. And but there'll always be opportunity for customization.
0: I think that's a good place for us to stop because it sounds like it's a high note and encouragement for programmers. Um, Patrick, how, how can people, thank you for being with us again, first off, but how can people get in touch with you learn what you're up to and, and also get, get uh, their feet wet in more programming um, for that, or more future-proof programming, let's call it.
2: Thanks for inviting me to the show. It's a pleasure as always uh, go to learnaviprogramming.com There's all sorts of free material there and um, you could sign up for a newsletter. There's a contact form. You could reach out to me directly or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn.
0: And uh, thank you for that. And and James, how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn what you're up to?
1: As always, just Google me. You'll find me. Uh, I'm on Twitter, AV underscore James King. You can find Steve and I on Sunday morning talking about AV AB and the AM. So you you can find me out there.
0: And, um, be, being that James gave Patrick the endorsement on the last one, I'll give him the endorsement on this one. My, uh, I've had members of my team go through his class. So, you know, please check it out. It's, it's definitely a great way to, uh, to, to get involved and and, um, build a foundation that, that you can uh, move forward with. And, and also you, you can, it's a good way to kind of test if this is something for you or not. So um, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, Twitter and LinkedIn are the best spots. I write for uh, a couple of p- publications. Uh, most of my work can be found on avnetwork.com and I'm also on my company blog at controlconcepts.net. And with that, been another great episode for Ask the Programmer.